thank you, choir. Take your Bible and find Romans chapter 8. And as you find verse 31, then I'm going to ask you to stand. And as you stand, I'll read the word in a moment. And we'll look together at that. So Romans 8, 31. Let's rise. And uh, we don't stand every week. We read, but we will today. Romans 8, beginning in verse 31. And we come to the end of this glorious, glorious chapter. Uh, so much truth there. And two weeks from today, I'm going to be preaching Romans 9, 10, and 11 all together. Three chapters. you got to tie them all together. If you don't, you miss it. Okay? You can't carve that up. Uh, there is... Uh, just a bucket, a large bucket of truth there that we're going to look at and see the nation Israel and what God's going to do and what he is doing with that land. But before we get there, let's come to Romans 8 and we'll begin in verse 31. And I share this morning four questions, seven difficulties, ten foes, and one Lord found in this text. Romans 8, beginning in verse 31. You follow along because this now is indeed the word of our great God. What then shall we say to these things? Well, what things? Well, you have to look back in verses 29 and 30. We talked about it last Sunday. Those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Because of these things, what then shall we say to these things? And he begins his question. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is the one who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. For in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Four questions. We all face them, and we all can answer them if we run to the one who is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Father, I pray that you would open this word to our heart and soul today. I pray you'll open my heart, my mouth. I pray you'll open the spirit of everyone who listens here and online and Pray, Father, that you'd speak now straight to our soul. Save the man that's lost. Build up the discouraged. And I pray that you would teach the disciple the truth of the Word of God. We love you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And be seated, please. Dark clouds and strong enemies can bring doubt and questions 
to the Christian life. No one is beyond it. No one is so mature that they never face the dark clouds or the strong questions. Paul was that way. If you read the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, there are 11 verses there, verses 23 through 33. And he speaks about being beaten and stoned and in dangers and in hardships. He's hungry, he's cold, he has sleepless night after sleepless night after sleepless night, and more, he says. How in the world did he overcome that? Jesus is the answer. That's how you become more than a conqueror. That's how you are victorious, is you run to Jesus, who is the answer for all of these questions. So let me pose four questions. And then invite you to come running under the answer. Number one, he asks, who can be against us if God is for us? If God's for us, verse 31, who is against us? Well, a lot of people, a lot of people come against us. Even when God is for us, there are those that come against us. In Acts 20, Verses 28 through 31, Paul warned the church and said, Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you to be the overseers. He's talking to the pastors, the shepherds, uh, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, Paul said, When I'm gone from here, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and their own selves. Men will arise speaking perverse things to draw disciples away to themselves. Therefore, be on the alert. Watch for these divisive people. Watch for those that come gather a little group around them and say, let's do just this. The the other bunch, they don't know. We're much more mature. Hmm. Be on the alert. Remember that day and night, for three years, I did not cease to admonish you, and I did that with weeping. I wept over you. Be careful. Who can be against us if God's for us? Let me tell you, savage wolves can't. David said in Psalm 118, verse 6, that we should not fear any man, no matter what he brings and what he tries to come and says, I have a superior doctrine or a better way uh, that I can be stronger. God's for us. Even when these come against us, do not follow after them. Who can be against us if God's for us? Well, wolves, savage wolves can be. Secondly, he asks, who can bring a charge against us when God is justified? He said, well, I'm saved. Who can bring a charge? Well, your enemies bring a charge. They say, you know, you, you say you're saved. You go down there to the church, you sing in a choir, you're baptized in a baptistry. You take up the offering, you stand at a door, you teach a class, and, and yet I see you say things and hear you say things and take certain actions. You're not perfect, you know. Well, you're not. So who can bring a charge? So we're not perfect, but listen. What he said in verse 33, 
Who will bring a charge against God? God is the one who just No man, no man has the last word. Jesus is the answer. He has the last word. Trust him because he has justified you. He said in verse 30, those that he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. That is, he declared us righteous. Turn back two or three pages to Romans 3 and verse 24. Look at it, Romans 3, verse 24. We, we looked at this a few weeks ago, but oh my goodness, what a great text. Romans 3, verse 24. Being justified, that is declared righteous, a legal declaration. Being justified as a gift. Friend, you didn't earn it, God gave it to you. It's by grace. It's not something you do. You can't be baptized enough times for it. It's by grace, unmerited favor, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. It's by grace. It's, it's through redemption. Who can bring a charge? <laughs> Why, you're not going there. You can't know. Well, yes, I can know. Even when others bring a charge, run to Jesus. He's justified you. When you blow it, he's justified you. This is good news. Thirdly, who can condemn us when Christ died for us? Now, this is where the devil sits on your shoulder, and he condemns you. Say, well, I know you say certain things, but... But look at what you do. Look, look. And he brings condemnation. How does Jesus answer that? Or has Paul answered that in verse 34? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather was raised. Is the right hand of God. And also intercedes for us. These are the four pillars of salvation. He drives these foundation stones into the ground and into the theological bedrock when he says, here are the, never forget these four things. Jesus died. He was raised. He's at the right hand and he's praying for us. What a savior. Who can condemn us? Why, the old wicked one will sit there on your show. You're not worthy. No, I'm not. You, you can't really know. You know what you need to say to the devil when he comes and starts telling you all that stuff? Just look at him and say, go to hell. <laughs> because that's what God said he's going to do with him. He's going to cast him for the last time into that fiery lake and into the abyss. You in your mind just send him there. When he begins to condemn you and say, oh, no, 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 you're not all that you're cracked up to be. Just agree with him. I'm not, but let me tell you who is. Jesus is the answer. <laughs> he died for me. He was raised for me. He's at the right hand of the Father for me. He's praying for me. Friend, the only way you can get my salvation away from me is to get Jesus to stop praying for me. And the only way to get Jesus to stop praying is to break into the Holy of Holies. And if you break into there, you won't want him to stop praying. He lives to ever make intercession for us that we may know. Who can condemn us? Well, the old wicked one will sometimes do it. And he'll say to you, well, you know, you really can't know you're going to heaven when you die. Well, that's not what the book says. My wife tells me yesterday, she was this week at a 
gathering of something where they brought lady food and uh, <laughs> did that. And uh, said there was a gentleman that was there, and it, somehow the conversation turned toward faith. And he said, well, you know, you can't really know that you're going to heaven when you die. Well, those of you that know the pastor's wife here, she didn't just leave that laying on the table. Uh, she said, well, the book says, you know. Well, I don't think you she. Well, you know, it really doesn't matter what you think. The Word of God says. In 1 John, these things I have written to you that believe that you may K-N-O-W. I think she spelled it for him. You can know that you have eternal life. You see, people will be around you, and even in their doubt, they'll try to condemn your belief. Don't have it. Jesus is the answer. Run to him with all of your soul. And question number four is who can separate us? From the love of God. Notice it in verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of God? Down in verse 39 at the end, he says, these things will not be able to separate us from the love of God. Twice, he underlines this. Now let me tell you, here's who will try to separate you from the love of God. Look in the mirror. You. You. You'll try to do this to yourself. You're not careful. You'll find yourself not living a stellar Christian life, and you say, well, man, for what I've done, God must not even love me. Don't ever tell yourself that. God loves you, dear friend. If he loved the prodigal that went away and invited him home, he loves you. If he goes after the one and leaves the 99, he loves you. Don't ever let yourself tell yourself that God doesn't love you. Who can separate you from the love? If you're not careful, you will separate yourself. Oh, but God continues to love even in your disobedience, even in your sinfulness. He continues to love. He calls you to repentance. He, he says, come. But never think God doesn't love you. I care not what you've done. I'm here to tell you God loves you. Your mama may not love you, but God loves you. And if you live where your mama doesn't love you, you're in a mess. You may be the place where some friends don't love you, but let me tell you, God loves you. You can't be separate from the love of God. He, he comes after us. And in this text, then, he names seven difficulties and ten foes about this particular question. Who can separate us? Well, notice what he said in verse 35. Well, tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, can they do it? No. But oh, they come. That word tribulation is the word thalipsis. It means pressure. Its first cousin is the next word. It's the word distress. I read one author this week in a Greek context who, who said this. He said, tribulation is a crushing pressure from above and distress is a crushing pressure from side to side. There are some things that, that come crushing down on us and other things that begin to squeeze in on us. 
He says, tribulation or distress, they cannot separate you. Persecution. Now, friend, you, you may not love America, and you don't have to, but let me tell you, you ought to thank God for it. For while there is some persecution, we know nothing like the rest of the world knows. I did read this week of another athletic coach that was asked by some of the players, could you help us get baptized? And so he called the pastor of a church, and the pastor came, and the coach worked with them, and they baptized these players, and the coach lost his job. He stood. What a weird world. Just one generation removed. When I was in school, if a bunch of people wanted to be baptized, if the teacher didn't do it, he'd lose his job. <laughs> because the pastor had been upset to call. But there's a new persecution in our world today. There is this pressure. Don't speak up. Don't stand out. But let me tell you, even when persecution comes, it does not mean God does not love you. He loves you even the more. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. I thought to myself, I was preaching, getting ready for this text. I thought, what a Sunday to mention the word famine. You got more stuff in the refrigerator than you need to put in there right now. But there are some hungry people around us. But this is not talking about a famine of hungry people on the corner. This is talking about when you can't get food because you stand for Christ. Hmm. Even that can't separate you from the love of God. Nakedness, nothing to cover yourself with. Paul, he's just, he, he was in this place from time to time. Peril, that sixth word is another word for danger. I want you to listen. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 26, after he said he'd been beaten with rods and stone, here's what he said about danger. Listen in verse 26. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, that's the Jew, dangers from the Gentile, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. Paul said everywhere he turned, everywhere he went, there was danger, 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 but that could not separate him from the love of God. And then the seventh difficulty is sword. This is a physical persecution, sometimes death. I want to challenge you to do a little reading. Most of us know about Martin Luther and the Reformation, and everybody talks about it on October 31 and Reformation Sunday. But let me tell you, before there was Reformation, there was a generation dying for the faith before Luther. They're called the Anabaptists. They're your brothers and sisters. They're your first cousins. The reformers even hated the Anabaptists. But the Anabaptists died for the faith. They burned them at the stake. The sword came and pierced them through and they died. We have it so easy in comparison. Oh, but these brothers and sisters stood. And even the sword. You should read some of their quotes as they walked to the fire. 
It was just Jesus all over them. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, perilous. None of that can separate us from the love of God. Then he names ten foes, ten foes. They are listed beginning in verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything else created, none of that can separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Death. Death can't separate you. Death bats a thousand. You will die. No one gets out of this deal alive. Everybody's going to be in a box right there or somewhere. They're going to put you in a box, roll you out, either burn you up or put you in the ground. All of us, 100%. And death cannot separate you from the love of God. Why? Because Jesus overcame death. Hallelujah, what a Savior. He got up. He said the very last enemy to overcome was death. He went in the grave, came out. and over. When I get to heaven, I want an afternoon with Lazarus. Dude died twice. They put him in the ground. He's there three days. Jesus came by, called him out. He came bouncing out, the Bible says, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. They said, loose him and let him go. Scared the Jews to death. It would scared you if you'd have been there. They said, we, we went to his funeral. Here he is standing up. Now, he got his name in the book, but the reason I want to talk to Lazarus is, you, you died twice. And they don't even tell us. Well, what happened the second go round? You ought to thank God your name's not in the book. You just have to die one time. He died twice. Physically, death cannot separate you. As a matter of fact, you're never closer to God than when you die if you're saved. Because you're absent from the body and you're what? Present with the Lord. Glory be unto God. You've never been more loved. Death cannot separate. Life cannot separate. No matter how hard life gets, it cannot separate. Angels can't separate. Do you, do you know the devil's a fallen angel? The, those demons of hell, they cannot separate you from the love of God. Principalities is the fourth. It's the word archigos, ruler. It's the government. The government cannot separate you from the love of God. No matter how they come against you. And friend, they're coming like a freight train against the people of God. Principalities cannot separate. Things present, no matter what's in your life, he just gives an override, whatever's going on, things or things to come. You're going through it right now or next week. Things you hadn't even thought of yet, things to come. They did, that does not separate you. Height, height, you, you cannot... Nothing can get so tall that it's over God's head. He's the highest of the highest. Glory to God. He's the celestial one. He overlooks it all. And then he says, not only height, but depth. I think he speaks here of depression. To be down and low. 
Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, had fits of depression. In his day, in the 1500s, when someone died, they put a black curtain across the front door of the house. And then everyone wore black. Now, we still wear black to funerals oftentimes, but we don't put a black curtain across the house. Luther was down and out. One biographer I read spoke of the day that he was just very depressed, and he came home, and his wife had hung a black, the black death cloth across the door. He said, he came in and said, what are you doing? She said, well, you act like God's dead. Down and out. Said it shook him to his core. Friend, God's not dead. He loves you. Now, I, I've never taken any depression medicine. I've, uh, that's not been a malady for me. But I do have fits of it. And this week is one of the weeks. Always the holidays suck me down. I mean, John and I, we have Christmas, but what do we do? We work. Sometimes I just tell my wife, I said, I, I just want, can I just go to church? Not at all. Can I just go somewhere else and go to Christmas? This will be the 33rd year I've preached on Christmas Eve. I said, do you know how hard it is to try to get something fresh for the 33rd time about Jesus in the... It's self-imposed pressure. I understand that, but it just kind of sucks me down. Never talked to John about it. I don't know if it bothers him or not. But it's a burden. I mean, where do you think the idea for this musical comes from? He just orders it from Lifeway? Somebody has to pray through that and find it. And it, Is it going to be good or not? Sometimes there's this... You've been in it. It, it, it just kind of sucks you down. The depth. Even that cannot separate you from the love of God. When you're at your lowest low, He's with you. What a Savior. Now, I'm just complaining about my job. You have things in yours that does the same thing. You just get it done. Amen. It's what you do. But you got to understand, when, when you're in the pits, you've not vacated the love of God. He comes after you. He names all of these things. Death, life, angels, principalities, things, present, things to come, powers, height, depth. And then he just adds and it just throws this in there. And any created thing, anything else that you can think of, just name it. And so I'm going to name it. Here's the other thing. AI. AI. Any other, anything else you can who would have thought 30 years ago there would have been a thing called artificial intelligence? Somebody asked me the other day, do you believe in AI? I said, yes, sir, I do. It's called actual ignorance. <laughs> That's what I think it is. It's actual ignorance. Artificial intelligence? And I understand you put it in the computer and it spits it out and it can give you a sermon or it can give you a story or 
But somebody's got to put that stuff in there before it comes out. And they talk about all these, they're going to be robots going through this. They're coming to get us. Uh, turn them off. Now, I know it's real. I mean, it, it's, it's in our world, and it, and it goes, and they're using computers for all of these things. But don't be frightened of that. Any other created thing, that cannot separate you from the love of God. Why? Jesus is the victor. He is God. He is above all. He has all power. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. You cannot separate yourself from the way God loves you.